Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. Good evening, fellow Gecko enthusiasts. Today is Sunday, March 9th, 2014, and uh, we're going to mix it up a little bit tonight, and I believe the the Geckos that we're going to talk about tonight are probably quickly becoming the second most popular Gecko species, I would think, and those, that's Crested Geckos. Um, tonight for, for this special show, I've invited Danny Schaefer and Buddy... Delator of Cresty Central uh, to join us, and uh, they are two young guys that have a lot of knowledge and experience keeping and breeding crested geckos, and they've now started their own small business related to their their hobby. So uh, this is this is great. A lot of people in the community are uh, taking that next step and you know using their enthusiasm and their interest to um, make make an income and bring in money from their from their their passion, their hobby, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, they say if you can make money doing something you love, you never work a day in your life. You know, these are, these are the first steps in trying to accomplish that. Now, not everybody's going to be able to do it. Um, it takes a, a really dedicated person to uh, stick things through and really, um, uh, well, you know, owning a business and being a business owner is tough. And there's a lot of competition and there's so many different things that you need to learn and uh, go through in order to be successful at it. So I'm, I'm excited to see these guys doing what they what they love to do. And um, you know, crested geckos, their care requirements are, I guess, even easier than leopard geckos in many ways. And leopard geckos are pretty much the one of the easiest species of geckos to keep in captivity. And you know, we have a special fondness for leopard geckos on this show, and all geckos and all reptiles, of course. But um, I'm, I'm excited to talk about crested geckos. I've I've always admired them. Uh, I just never really took the plunge and you know got got my own group of you know for breeding or uh, you know really got serious into it. So maybe tonight's show will help me um, you know spark some more of my own interest in them. Uh, so everybody else, I want to let you guys know over the last couple of days, yesterday and today, uh, our affiliate Herpentime did some amazing coverage at the Texas Rattlesnake Festival. Now. What's, what's interesting is the Texas Rattlesnake Festival is a no-kill educational event. This same weekend, like an hour and a half away or 100, 100 miles away, the, the Texas uh, Rattlesnake Roundup was going on, and that's the event where they actually do the horrific things to rattlesnakes. And if you don't know about uh, the Sweetwater Roundup, uh, you should look into it. It's, 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 it's terrible what they do to these animals. 
you can go on YouTube and type in uh, Rise Against Rattlesnake Roundups. Uh, basically, we are trying to put an end to these uh, roundups. They, they do terrible things to rattlesnakes. They cut their heads off, wave them around while they're still alive. People bring their children to these events, and they drain the blood out of the, the snakes, and they let their children put their hands in the blood and then put their hands on the wall to put like a, make like a palm print. It's just really uninvolved behavior. So we're trying to raise awareness. We're trying to enlighten people, and we're trying to put an end to these horrific, uh, you know, roundups, uh, these poor rattlesnakes. So if you want to listen to yesterday and today's show, uh, they were great. And this is at the No Kill event. Uh, I was I was lucky enough and um, I was honored to be able to co-host with JD for the Saturday show. And uh, I wasn't able to do today's show. But uh, check it out, Herpentine Radio, awesome affiliate of ours. And it's actually my inspiration to start GNR. So uh, another thing, I hope everybody turned their, their clocks forward. It's daylight savings time. I am fed up with this winter. I'm sure everybody else is. And uh, hopefully we can get on to some warm weather soon. And uh, I'd like to make everybody aware of something. Uh, Facebook has uh, basically adjusted their algorithms, and they've become much more restrictive as far as what people actually see. So, for instance, um, we've been noticing that a lot of the posts just don't get seen by as many of our, our followers as they used to. But basically, it's Facebook's way of trying to encourage people to pay uh, to get their, their, um, their posts sponsored, uh, get their post seen by the community, and it's like $5 a day at the minimum uh, to get your page or your post seen. And, uh, you know, this is uh, basically a nonprofit thing that we're doing, so we can't really afford to promote everything. I mean, occasionally I will, of course, but uh, um, so what we're asking is, we're asking if you like Echonation Radio, help us reach more people and help us share the page and the, and the posts, if you would, and the links to the shows, so this way... Uh, other people see them and be able to benefit from uh, this resource of ours. And uh, in return for helping the show, I'm uh, I'm devising a thing. I've done this in the past, and basically I do these secret prizes and these secret raffles where um, if you regularly share the page or share a post, uh, you never know. You may be entered into a, a raffle for doing that. And that's basically my way of you know, saying thank you for helping us. I'm going to help you. Um, and and basically, um, I'd rather you know spend the money on a prize to give to a listener or or a, a loyal follower than give it to Facebook. So that's the way I like to do things. So for instance, just recently, I made a post in Gecko Nation where I asked everybody if they would share the page, uh, the Gecko Nation radio page, and uh, you know a bunch of people commented on the post, but only like five or six people actually went that extra step and shared the page. So I kept track of who actually did that. And I'm putting their names in a raffle, and one of those people is going to win an egg candler that is also a pen and a stylus. So it's, it, it's like a triple use. But uh, in the past, I've given away free geckos, and you never know. In fact, I do this on all my pages. They would find geckos, FlexWatt, Reptile, E-Tape, and Gecko Nation Radio. So the next post that you like, share, or comment on, you never know. It may be the one that enters you into the next contest. And uh, I do these things very randomly, very sporadically. And uh, I just think it's fun to keep everybody on their toes, but it also encourages people to help the show and help me. And, you know, if you help me, I'm going to help you. It's kind of like it works good like that. So it's a way to give back and whatnot. Um, also, for tonight's special show, 
uh, we're encouraging everyone to call in with their questions about crested geckos. And I know a lot of people are shy out there. Um, we're very friendly. We don't bite. <laughs> and we, we like for you guys to call in. So in the second uh, part of the show, we're going to open up the phone lines, and we're also going to do a special um, uh, thing for callers only. So uh, Crest Essential has, is donating a bag, a 12-ounce bag of Pangea Crested Gecko Diet watermelon, watermelon flavor. All right? And whoever calls in is going to be entered in a, a separate raffle to win that. All right? And also, very generously, they are for the entire week from this Sunday until next Sunday. Um, if you order any kind of Crested Gecko product from their website, you're going to get 10% off by using a special code. It's, it's GNR10, and GNR is all capitals. Okay, so GNR10 uh, will get you 10% off, and it's good all week long. All right, folks? Um, all right. That's uh, lots of the important announcements that I wanted to make. And, um, of course, Declination Radio would not be possible without its sponsors. So please, guys, check out our sponsors and take advantage and make sure you mention Gecko Nation Radio, and uh, they're going to take care of you. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more. And all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest-quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets, for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. abdragons.com is your source for the highest quality dubia roaches, whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. abdragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook. Ohio Gecko is famous for amazing tangerines, snows, and other very unique leopard gecko projects. Thad also has some incredible fat tail morphs available from stingers to starbursts. 
visit him online at ohiogecko.com and at Expos in the Northeast. He is also the owner of geckoforums.net. Reptiles Express is the absolute best live animal shipping company with great low rates. Debbie is the queen of customer service and will make sure your precious cargo gets to where it needs to. They also have a wide array of shipping supplies from deli cups, snake bags, heat packs, and more. Visit reptilesexpress.com and become a member today. Supreme Gecko is a great source for crested geckos, day geckos, and other species, including micro geckos. Wally Kern is a top-notch breeder and gecko enthusiast. Visit supremegecko.com for his available animals and supplies. All right, everybody, we are back. And tonight um, I have a very special guest co-host, and uh, she's very active in the group Gecko Nation, and she's just one of our favorite people. So let's go ahead and grab Miss Amanda Welliver. Good evening, Mandy. How are you tonight? Good evening. Hi. I'm doing great. How are you, Dave? Oh, doing great. Looking forward to the show. What's going on? What's new with you? Well, I collected two new clutches of fertile eggs today from my two uh, little girls that are laying, uh, my leopard geckos. Um, That's cool. And... I fed my day gecko honey off of my finger. <laughs> um, oh, nice. uh, that was my highlight of my day. <laughs> wow, they're cool like that. So, how's the what's his name again? What's the little Sydney? Sydney. Sydney. That's right. <laughs> He's they named after Sydney Crosby. <laughs> okay. Oh okay, yeah. Yeah. I to, yeah, I had an iguana when I was a kid that was named Sydney. Uh, it was a female though, but. Um, Nice. So, is he becoming like really accustomed with you? Like, he's not afraid. He's not skittish. He just comes out and you know gets on your hand. When it, that comes, to, when it comes to interacting, um, he loves to look at me. He likes to observe what I'm doing. He's in my kitchen, so whenever I am pouring a glass of fruity smelling drink, he's always like. Or even when I'm just in front of the tank, he will jump onto the glass that I where I am, or if he's already there, he will like kind of back himself off of the glass so he can look directly at me. I probably have over two dozen photos. Every time I'm like, Oh, that's so cute. You're looking at me. <laughs> like he's so photogenic, it's hilarious. But yeah, he's uh... he's something else. It's like a sign of intelligence when they stare at you, right? Yeah, he reminds me a lot of a bird for some reason. Just the way he, he'll, like, look at it, he'll kind of tilt his head, and the way he, I don't know, something about the way they act and the way they move, and, like, he'll make a little sound sometimes if I touch him. It almost reminds me of, like, a chirp. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think about crested geckos? Well, I've recently become addicted to them. I I don't own any yet, but it's it's a matter of time. I actually, for the longest time, I kind of had like a love-hate thing with Cresteds. I, I was like, why is everybody in love with these things? Like, I just don't get it. They, they just me too. didn't look cute to me. They didn't. 
And then the more I handled them at the shows and looked at all of the different varieties of colors, I, I think it was more the interaction, but I, I just have gotten bitten by the bug. And I have a feeling I'm at least <laughs> going to have one in my collection of reptiles. But, yeah, I I'm, I'm, can't actually stop thinking about the one that I was holding at the expo just recently. So... If he's still available, I have a feeling I may end up with a crusty for sure. That's awesome. Um, so, Mandy, what do, where do we send people that are basically gecko addicts like us? Where's the best place for them to go? Gecko addicts. Well, I've sent all my gecko addicts to our Gecko Nation um, Facebook page, but also I know a good place is some of the forums. I believe there's a particular one that's pretty awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> oh, that would be Gecko Forums. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Check this out, everybody. Did you know that since 2006, there's been a treasure trove of history and information on leopard geckos and other species? Well, Gecko Forums is the most extensive database of leopard gecko history on the web right now. Take a look and delve into the past, present, and future of this great community. The biggest contributors, breeders, and hobbyists have left their mark there. Now it's your turn. Look, learn, and post away. Need a place to post animals for sale? Look no further. Visit geckoforums.net and become a member today. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to be the official radio show associated with Gecko Forums. Woohoo! Yes, we are. We are totally proud. And uh, while we're at it, I just want to say hello to all of the awesome people that are in our chat room right now. We have Angela, we have Brooke, we have Woo-hoo. Elsa, we have Manda, of course. We have Marcy. I hope Marcy is doing better. Marcy's been in and out of the Hi, hospital. Marcy. We love you, Marcy. Hang in there. I hope you're better. Uh, we got Sean from Heavy Duty Reptiles. <laughs> we have Ty Malave, Steve Barker, and the mysterious soft kitty who says they're a ghost. I'm still trying to figure out who that is. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, all right. Well, thanks, everybody, for for, t- uh, for tuning in tonight. And uh, I don't think we should waste any more time. I'm going to go ahead and bring on our guest for tonight, which is Danny Schaefer and Buddy Delatore. So here you guys are. Danny Schaefer and Buddy, how are you guys tonight? How are you guys doing? Hey, Dave, what's up? Yeah, good, good to have you. Thanks for coming on. How you doing, Amanda? Hi. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you, too. <laughs> thanks for tuning in. I mean, thanks for coming on tonight, guys. We're looking forward to uh, to this we show. And, uh, awesome. You know, just like Mandy was saying, yeah, I've kind of, over the years, have, uh, like, a strange thing for Cressies. I like them. I admire them. I can totally get why people are into them, and, um, I just never really took the plunge, but I think they're starting to grow on people. They're growing on Mandy. They're even growing on me a bit. Um, what is it that's so special about these crested geckos? I definitely feel like the reason people like crested geckos so much is mainly the fact that the care for them is not like anything crazy. You know, bearded dragons and stuff can go price-wise pretty high. Crested geckos don't aren't exactly going to empty out your wallet. The care for them is relatively mm-hmm. easy. They have great colors. They feel soft on your hands, and they're just a great animal to watch. That's what people love about them so much. Interesting. 
Yeah, they definitely do feel really cool compared to other species. Uh, I bet you that's... Oh, yeah, definitely. Like velvet. <laughs> right, velvet. That's right. That's exactly what it is. They are. They do, do tend to be a little jumpy, though. They jump around a lot, right? Babies tend to be a little more jumpy than adults. Um, handling a few times a week, I've seen that's the best way to kind of stop them from being so jumpy. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like anything. People have different personalities. So do the crested geckos. Some will be jumpy. Some will be tame as anything. Uh, that's cool. So um, one of the things some that I will jump on your face. This, <laughs> right? <laughs> before we uh, jump yep. into this segment, um, I wanted, why don't you tell us, like, what got you guys started in reptiles? Uh, what, 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 how did you guys get started into reptiles? Oh, this is always one of my favorite questions, Dave, because me and Buddy go a long time back. Um, a few years ago, I actually got interested in reptiles, and I went to a reptile show, and I met Buddy, who, and we worked for Dale's Bearded Dragon together. And eventually, we're coming back from a New Hampshire show about a month ago, and it, an idea just came to us that, you know, we've been collecting crested geckos for a long time. Why don't we put our collection together and make a crusty business where, you know, we can just share the genetics that our geckos have to the world and, you know, really just expand on a line we wanted to call our own. Nice. That's that's really cool. So, and and what is it in particular that made you decide to start a business from your from your hobby and your passion? Buddy's going to go ahead and answer this one. Well, Dave, okay. we, um, we wanted to have a lot of Cressies together, but it wasn't really cost efficient to just have to have me come down and take care of them. So we decided we'll breed them, we'll sell them, and then we'll split the money from it so that we can hang out all the time, have tons of crested geckos, and make money. Nice. Well, it's always good to be able to make an income on something that you like. And uh, part of being yeah. a breeder is basically finding ways to offset your own costs. I mean, you know, when once you start breeding, it's like, um, you, you can't hold on to every single baby, and the cost of producing and caring and feeding for a large collection just keeps going up and up and up. So eventually you're kind of almost forced into making somewhat of a business out of it. So business I think, out of it, yeah. Yeah, so but I think this it's, is a, it's a good thing. It's not and just that's the money, what a lot though, of people are doing. It's not just the money, though. It's that mm-hmm. we love Cresties, and we just want to have a ton of them. And we just want to get our lines out there and share what we have to the world. That's cool. And I'm sure you're, you guys are uh, investing in really good stuff, good quality animals. I know you yeah. guys always look for great, great animals. Um, yeah. We oh, yeah, some pictures. Mm-hmm. We posted some pictures that you guys can see. It's on the, um, the, the Gecko Nation, well, the Block Talk site right now, the slideshow. So check out some of these amazing, amazing geckos. Um, I'm going to give the... Uh, Give the reins over to Mandy for a bit. Go ahead, Mandy. Ask these guys some questions about Cresty. All righty. Um, well, hmm, where to start? So, how many guys? How many Cresties do you guys have in your collection currently? Um, right now we actually have about twenty breeders. We have fifteen females and five males. That me and Buddy just pretty much split because we had so many and I wanted to do the crested geckos and he was going to focus on the supply. So we have about 20 breeders right now and a few babies that are um, growing up. Nice. And um, 
where do you guys do you guys have them in set up in racks or how how do you keep so many geckos um we, how many crusties you know what i mean yeah we have them all in a rack in danny's room um we keep them all in good sized bins big enough like six inches high by like, 18 inches um basically rubber maids and we have a lot of ventilation in the top so the humidity levels stay uh right and we have one female in each bin, and then we have males in their own uh, setups, like bigger bins. And then nice. we just have them all still in the rack. Oh, that's cool. All right, so guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into the news segment, and then once we get done with the news, we're going to get into the full interview with you. And um, all right, basically, I'll we're going to figure it. we're going to figure out how to how to care for them. We're going to ask you guys how, to, how you can effectively breed them and basically cover everything that a new person uh, to crested geckos would need to know. In fact, uh, myself and Mandy are probably going to be new crested, owner, crested gecko owners soon, so this is going to be helpful even to us. So um, hang tight. I'm going to go ahead and bring on our awesome news anchor. <laughs> Good evening, Gekonians. There he is. Hey. How you guys <laughs> up, doing? Steve? Good. Uh not not too much. Uh hatch, How are you feeling? hatch out uh oh not great. <laughs> uh, you I've got been cold, sick, right? sick all weekend, yeah. But uh I hatched out a couple of gargoyles this morning, so I was pretty happy about that. Oh nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a striped cool. and a reticulated out of there. Ah, that's so awesome. that's cool. Nice. Hopefully you got some good news for us tonight. Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> this, okay. this, this first story is... Is it strange... Oh, sorry, guys. I was going to say, is it strange that I think about, like, being excited to hear the news, and I'll come up with, like, my own, like, oh... I should tell him this one. This would be a funny made-up story. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, hey, help, help me out. Yeah, help yeah. me out. <laughs> I've thought of some pretty crazy ones. I'm sure people would be like, oh, that's totally false. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'd appreciate the help. Hey, anytime. Yeah, I'll, I'll run them by you at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, PM them. Definitely. Nice. Our, our first story is absolutely horrible. Um, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to even believe it. An Ohio couple was convicted Friday of enslaving a mentally disabled woman for two years through intimidation, abuse, and threats that they would harm her five-year-old daughter. Uh, oh, wow. Prosecutors said the couple kept the woman and her daughter in a damp, dark basement with a lock on the door and no bathroom. They, oh my God. Also, they also threatened both with a python and pit bulls and forced the woman to shop, cook, clean, and other chores and forced her to engage in sexual acts. Oh my God! Wow. I heard about this story. Oh yeah, that's yeah, crazy. This, this is just yeah. Um, they were, they were, they were, yeah, it is. 
They were convicted on charges that included forced labor conspiracy with a kidnapping specification, and they could be sentenced to as much as life in prison. And that this is messed up. They got, you know, they, they obviously kidnapped the lady, but both were found not guilty of stealing the woman's government benefits. Oh, my God. There is no, there is no jail. There's no sentence that's long enough for people no. like this. You know what I mean? No. No. I had, uh, wasn't there a similar case about this? There was, like, kept, like, three girls in, the, in, a, in a house or something, and they found them, like, they were gone for, like, five years or something, right? You guys hear about that? Yeah. I, that happened, that happened a while back. Yeah, that was yeah. a little different, though, yeah. And, they, yeah, they were actually, they had, like, uh, they weren't even big pythons. They were small boas and pythons that they would, but this woman was obviously, you know, she had mental issues, so she was very scared right. of the snakes. And, and it's just a shame that they would, you know, use the animals that way and use another person, which is terrible. I hope they get the maximum yeah. of whatever. But, uh, yeah, oh, they, interesting. They should, get, they should get the life, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, and probably the most frequent story I came across this week was an olive python was caught on camera devouring a Johnston's crocodile on the shores of an Austral- Australian lake. And the, both That's those right. species are native to Australia, so it's a normal thing. <laughs> they're wow. they're native, so. <laughs> But I saw that on Facebook. I didn't know yeah. if that was true or not, but I guess it was. Yeah, the pictures are pretty amazing. Yeah, that's why I thought it was fake, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Wow. That, that leads us into Ohio. A Westchester man is suing the Ohio Department of Agriculture over the state's new exotic and dangerous animal laws. Arrow. Reptile Rescue has been involved in the rescue of 30 to 40 alligators a year. The alligators were routinely sent to licensed facilities in Florida, but no more. According to the new laws, in late December, officials at the Ohio Department of Agriculture notified rescue owner that Arrowhead was no longer exempt from their regulations. The owner says if they read the law it says if we have certain permits we're exempt from the law we have those permits we believe we should be exempt from the law and that's that's what we're asking the courts to interpret so they want to be because they have all the required permits to keep their animals they -hmm. should be able to keep them Mm -hmm. and i agree and what really upsets me about this is people who don't have those permits are going to have their animals, but, but, you know, this rescue is going by the law and everything, trying to help, and they're going to take them. So that's yeah, kind of wrong. You know, the people, you know, the people who are breaking the law are going to get away with it. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, man. There's so many so mixed up things in this, yeah. uh, in our, in our legal system. Really, really messed up. So, I a while back, we uh, heard about a, I can't remember, it was a, I think it was a boa constrictor was found in a, in a couch. I don't know if you remember that a while back. Mm-hmm. A Swedish yep. pet mm-hmm. store 
helped a lady, okay, a local woman in Sweden <laughs> chased a slithering reptile across her apartment before it hid inside a speaker. After calling the police, who failed to free the unwanted house guests, she took the speaker to the local aquarium. Delicately, and with the help of a dead mouse, staff managed to entice the snake out of its hiding spot and grabbed it and got it out of the speaker. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so in a while, That's crazy. It was probably six months ago, uh, Ball Python was in a washer or, no, in a an oven. oven. Yeah, in yeah. an oven. Oh, yeah, I hear They're just turning up in weird places. And sticking with snakes, an eight-foot boa was found in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, near a McDonald's trash dumpster. Authorities were notified, and the snake was captured. So that's an eight-foot boa constrictor, which mm-hmm. we just, you know, recently they're trying to include the boa constrictor on the ban list, or on the Lacey Act, yeah. yep. unfortunately. So oh, yeah. And staying in Florida, this is not news, at least not to me. And I'm just going to read the title. Tegu lizards mm-hmm. have, inv- have invaded South Florida. They've been there a long time, so <laughs> it's not really news. But Right. <laughs> but I found that um, one. Let me just jump in for a second. Uh, while I was doing the, the show with Herpentine, one of their sponsors on Herpentime is uh, Tegu's Only, and what Tegu'sOnly.com does is he goes out and captures these wild Tegu's, thus protecting the native wildlife, but also uh, helping the, the invasive Tegu's get out of, you know, the wild in Florida, and then he rehomes them. So if anybody out there uh, would like to, you know, give a, give a forever home to a Tegu in need, so to speak, uh, contact Tegu's only.com and uh, there's an adoption fee of course but uh, you'll be if you want a really nice tegu you know you, instead of going to buy one from the next swap meet or the next show uh, why don't you adopt one and he's also found some unique tegus that are uh, only they have this unique coloration so basically they've when they've adapted to the surroundings in Florida they've um, Gain these extra colors, this orange coloration. You'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, so visit the site tegusonly.com. I'm thinking about grabbing and giving a home to an adult tegu because I often have a lot of snakes. Uh, these ball pythons never like to eat, so I wind up having these extra rodents. And instead of wasting wasting them, I'm thinking of getting myself a tegu that will you know, that I can have here and help the tegu and also have a basically a Living garbage disposal for uh, a bunch of, bunch <laughs> of food here. That, <laughs> yeah. What would so, you normally um, do with yeah. the mice if you didn't? You didn't. Uh, well, I'd have, to, I'd, eat them. I'd have to flush them and throw them away. I mean, you can't really refreeze them, right? I mean, yeah, so, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't refreeze I, them. I was thinking you were talking about live mice, and that's why I was very confused. For no, that. no, I don't need any snacks here. No. Yeah, I was just thinking. I always use I always use frozen mice with my uh, my snakes. It's just easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But, uh, okay, go ahead, Steve. Thank I'm, you. See, um, I'm the opposite. I got the snake to eat the mice because I already bred the mice. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Uh, both pythons never like to eat. 
Yeah, and then I've got the, the too many mice, a snake that won't eat all the mice, so now maybe I should get a tegu. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's yeah. the thing. That's <laughs> But according to this article, they are cold-blooded killers. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they're eating their way through the Everglades. Unbelievable. Oh. That would be the next sci-fi movie. Right. Tegu, Tegu versus the Burmese python. <laughs> All right. And I don't know how many how many people are uh, Walking Dead fans. Oh, me. Oh, yeah. Woo. Yeah. Who isn't? Oh, calm down. Daryl did not kill a real rattlesnake in The Walking Dead. Last week, yeah, yeah, I thought about that. Daryl caught and killed a rattlesnake to eat, and it was not real. So, well, they so, did a really good job. Calm down, it was not real. <laughs> the only real rattlesnakes being killed this weekend are the ones in the Sweetwater Roundup, unfortunately. But uh, we're gonna, we're, we're all trying to put an end to that whole thing. So, hopefully, within the next five years, those those. Roundups will be abolished completely. That's what they're well, hoping to do. If there's a zombie apocalypse and all I've got to eat is rattlesnakes, I'm going to be right. eating me some rattlesnakes. So. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So our next story, a photo circulating on social media claims there's a snow snake that causes blood <laughs> oh, to freeze, and it has uh. several people in Pennsylvania and Ohio. Dave, have you seen the snake? <laughs> no, I have not. Oh, okay. I'm just checking. I don't I know. I have. Yeah. <laughs> Who believes these stories? <laughs> uh, people do believe them. I know. And the, the, the picture that's going around is a rubber snake that my daughter happens to have. <laughs> That's the picture that's going mm-hmm. on the story. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. All Crazy. right. And the best story of the night, a seventh grader named Isla Hickman is looking for some likes in her crusade to name the Idaho giant salamander as the official Idaho state amphibian. Keep in mind, this is a seventh grader who's trying to get this done. Um, She's over 400 likes, and her Facebook page is Idaho Giant Salamander for State Amphibian. It's her Facebook page. And um, like I said, it's a seventh grader that's trying to get this bill in in, and voted on. So I think that's cool that, you know, the young kids are doing this. Repeat the, the link again, the page again, Steve. What is it? The page is Idaho Giant Salamander for State Amphibian. And I'll post that in the Gecko Nation Radio Facebook page, too. But okay, I just cool. think that's cool, you know. I found it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that sounds like a cool thing. I'll like it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I'll post it. I got it right here, Steve. I'll post it for you. All right, cool. So that was our last story. So I'll give oh, you the Chad recap. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. All right. So one of the stories is fake, 
And here's the recap. Ohio couple used python and pit bulls to enslave a woman. Reptile deathmatch. Snake devours crocodile. Dangerous animal debate. Local man sues. Woman finds python in speaker. Eight-foot boa found in Fort Lauderdale. Tagus invade South Florida. Calm down. Daryl did not kill a real rattlesnake. Snow snake is a hoax. Idaho giant salamander for state amphibian. All right. Ladies first. You're first, Mandy. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to go with the eight-foot boa in McDonald's dumpster or whatever it okay. was in <laughs> by McDonald's. All right. Uh, let's see what people in the group are saying. Uh, yeah. It's a face no snake. Um, Ace Bella. Okay. What do you guys think, Buddy and Danny? Whoever wants to go first. Me and Buddy, me and Buddy actually have different opinions. Uh, I think it's the enslaved story, but I, I don't know. Buddy thinks it's, it, it's got to be that snow snake. It, that's not real. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, Steve wouldn't joke about the first story. It's, that's that's I think true. It, yeah. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wish it, I wish it was a false. I know. I wish it was a false story. All right, I'm going to go like, with. No uh, there's no way this is going to be a joke. I know. No. I'm going to go with um, <laughs> the snake in the speaker. I think because I know the first part of the story is true. I think, but Steve likes to add on to some of these stories every once in a while. So I'm going to. I'm thinking that the snake didn't go into the speaker, and they didn't really actually have to lure it out. <laughs> um, so yeah. I'm going to go with that. But, um, yeah, everybody in the chat rooms hoping the first story is fake, of course, yes. But uh, a lot of people are saying the snow snake. I think, I think, I think I, the snow snake is real. The people are really believing that. All right. So, Steve, what is the false story? The, the false story is the eight-foot boa found in Fort Lauderdale. Is false. Woo! <laughs> really? Mandolin. Yeah. And, and, and Dave, the, the woman finds python and speaker they have photos they took photos as they got the python out so <laughs> oh my god check that out yeah uh, and i, I wish the, the first DNR story page. was false i wish that first yeah. story was yeah i apologize no. no it's no big deal it's you know it's just what it is it's, uh, it's a shame all right well i'm hearing the special sound that is Now, a moment in Herp history. On August 24, 1950, in Weewaka, Oklahoma, hopefully I'm saying that right, G.W. Hall, who was a zookeeper, created a hoax capture of a 26-foot snake and confessed the following day to authorities. It was all done to promote the ex- exhibition of the snake so he faked a <laughs> loose snake and capture oh boy august yeah and it's august 24th 1950 well wow, they true. were using they were using snakes and reptiles back then for shock value and nothing's changed today no nope. uh, they're still they're still using them all right interesting so what's 
going on in your uh, collection, Steve? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, my uh, dubias are breeding like crazy, so, which is good because yeah. my 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 mealworms have mm-hmm. kind of slowed down a little. So, mm-hmm. so the the you geckos. Any, uh, are... uh, you have any albino dubias? Oh yeah, I got a bunch of them. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> I got. You know, I, I didn't know that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I hear that. I told Steve that they. Uh, I told Steve that the albinos were worth twenty-five dollars a piece, and uh, he didn't know. And uh, I yeah, finally I had to let him in that those. Totally those fell just for a it. Multi- <laughs> I think you got it. It's an albino. It's funny. Yeah, totally fell for it. <laughs> it, it happens. Wow. Well, you're going to be producing some amazing, uh, amazing geckos this uh, season, I'm sure. Yeah, and and I'm really looking forward to next season once I get a, I got a bunch of them growing up. Mm-hmm. But well, I think uh, this week is going to be good weather for shipping. So if you want me to send out that bandit you got coming for me, I'm I'm ready to do it. Oh, all right, cool, cool. Yeah, just let me know. All right. Yeah. I still got your bumblebee too. Cool. I'm ready whenever cool. you are. All right. Cool. All right. You can you can mix right, up Steve, his address with mine. I, I'll have no problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you got it. Actually, just before before you go, Steve, just so everybody knows, he's got a couple really nice uh, animals for sale on his page. He's got the uh, you got the Las Vegas no Las Vegas patternless males and a nice albino ball, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I've still okay. still have a lesser. Um, I've got a bunch of Las Vegas albinos that are all hat patternless. Um, I think I still have a gargoyle on there too. Okay, uh, cool. I love gargoyles. Yeah. Yeah. All right. They look like little dinosaurs to me. Yeah. <laughs> I like the cousin of Yeah, yeah they are. Yeah. All right. Okay, cool. Thank you very much, Steve, and we'll uh we'll see you next week. Thanks again for everything. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Steve. All right, give out your information. Uh check me out on Facebook and YouTube under B C Barker Creations. All right. All right, take care. Feel better, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Have a good night, everybody. All right, okay. Um, wow, we're already 46 minutes into the show, and um, I want to get into our interview with Danny and, uh, and Buddy. And um, we wanted to, Amanda and I decided that we want to start out the uh, interview with you guys with husbandry. So basically, uh, people can learn how to care for Cresteds, and then after we talk about husbandry, we'll talk about breeding. So um, I think the, the first topic, or the first question towards in the husbandry area would be, um, so if somebody's, you know, deciding to get their first crested gecko or their first pair of crested geckos, um, how, how should they keep them, uh, uh, guys? Um, we recommend that you do keep crested geckos kind of in solitude unless you're going to breed them. Um, for usually just a normal gecko, if you're not breeding and you want it to be for, like, visual purposes, and, you know, I would use a nice Exoterra 12, 12 by 18 tank. It's a perfect setup for the rest of their life. And, you know, you have enough room for them to climb and stuff. Because crested geckos, 
they, they climb up. They're arboreal. So you don't want, like, a 10-gallon tank is okay. Like, we, you can use it, but it's not recommended. You kind of want a taller tank when it comes to crested geckos. Okay. Now, would All you right. say that, that it would be best to use a smaller enclosure than the, what was it, the 12, 12, 18? Would you say, like, for the first couple months to use something even smaller than that? Or would a newborn hatchling be okay in something that big? You know, when it comes to hatchlings, I've always done the same thing. I always purchase critter keepers, the minis, and it's perfect for hatchlings. And, right. you know, three, four months in, because the best thing about it is it's so small. Food is very easy to come by. If a tank is too right. big, a little crested gecko may not necessarily be able to find it. That's not always the case, but I have seen that happen where a big tank has unfortunately killed a crested gecko because the person wasn't either uh, wasn't giving the food in a spot that the crested gecko could get it. So it is always best for a little, mm-hmm. a, a smaller closure for a hatchling to early juvenile. But once he gets, you know, about seven, eight months old, there's no problem putting him into a 12 to 18 that um, we recommend. Okay. Um, so what about temperature now? Uh, you know, with leopard geckos, we have to... We have to have the heater, you know, the the heat going. We have to have a 90-degree warm spot, 80-degree cool spot. With crested geckos, it's completely different. Uh, what do you think, yeah, guys? What do we do for these crusties? With crusties, you actually don't need any heat at all. They're, they, like, the hottest they can go is 85 degrees, but you can keep them room temperature. They don't need any heat at all, which is one nice thing about them. 85 what if your really house is really cold? Uh, then if it gets below, like, 68, 65, especially at night, we always recommend a small little nighttime uh, heat emitter, just a small one, like 25, 26 watts, that's not going to create any light because they are nocturnal at nighttime. So they can see all the darker colors, and they can, they're more active, so you wouldn't want to disturb them. Okay, so, and a heat emitter is like, okay. uh, it's almost, it looks like a light bulb, but it's not, right? Yeah, it just creates heat. Okay. All right. So now, ahead, with my house, it, it's literally 72. Like, my house is amazing as far as heat. But it keeps almost perfectly at 72 degrees all yeah, the that's time. Perfect. In the summer, we have the air conditioner on, and it, we literally have the power saver where it adjusts. It's 70 to 72 degrees all the time. So that would be, like, that is, ideally perfect then? Yeah, that's perfect. Awesome. Now, uh, Danny, mentioned, uh, that, uh, Danny mentioned that the exoterras are great. Um, I just got a text message from someone reminding me, where is the best place to get exoterras from? Now, here's the thing. If you go to a pet store to buy any type of item, you know, being at any reptile supply, you're going to pay a lot more than you would by going to a reptile show or ordering a lot, ordering online. We do have it at CrestyCentral.com. Uh, we have, uh, but tanks are a little hard to ship, so the better place to go is usually reptile shows. You'll get a better deal on it because not everybody will ship um, tanks. We actually do have some exoterras uh, available at reptile shows currently. Okay, and if you're at a particular reptile show in the Northeast, um, who are the best people to buy these items for from? <laughs> um, if you if you email us in the meantime or before a show, we'll bring it for you. 
but you could go to Dale's Beard Dragons for it. Okay, all right. So yeah. Dale's Beard Dragons is okay, right? Yep, they're we're pretty good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> of course, awesome. Matt, of course. Yeah, Mario's <laughs> texting me to remind you guys to to, to make sure we get that plugin. Oh, of course, yeah, Dale's Beard Dragons is a sponsor. It's so. kind of funny because yeah. Dale's Beard Dragons, we work for Dale's Beard Dragons, so we're Crusty Central, so it's kind of funny because it's kind of like... We're, we're both actually wearing the uh, DVD hoodie right now. <laughs> oh, cool. Nice. Oh, I get one of those. I extra Terra from we Dale. Actually just made a few, we actually just made a few uh, Crusty Central hoodies that are coming in soon, so we're going to start rocking Crusty Central. But DVD will always be the start, though, so respect the Dale's Beard Dragons. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay. Um, now, as far as cage furnishings, guys, um, these crests, they like to climb and everything. Uh, so what are the uh, essential things that are needed inside the cage for cresties? Uh Well, to start off, one of the most important, I would say, is definitely substrate. Um, for babies, I always use paper towel. Actually, for adults, I even use paper towel. It's the cleanest, cheapest, and easiest to, you know, to clean. Um, the thing about it is that it's not loose, like EcoEarth and stuff. I never recommend any type of loose substrate for babies. Adults, you can you can use um, like a loose substrate, but it's not recommended, uh, especially if you want to feed insects. Um, when it comes to the tank, it's always good to have a barrage of different fake plants. You can use live too, but it, it's kind of hard sometimes to care for. A few fake plants, a stick that goes diagonal throughout the length of the uh, the tank or tub, whatever you're using, and, uh, you know, that's really all you need. That's the thing about them is they're, you know, as long as you have a lot of cover for them, they're, they're good to go. Nice. Okay, cool. All right, go ahead, Mandy, as your turn. As, as far as plants, um, if you were to use um, actual live plants, is there any type of plants that you would recommend and any that you wouldn't? Uh, I recommend... I recommend using any type of ferns because they've got strong leaves. Uh, Philodendron work good good too. And um, I wouldn't really recommend any, like, flowers because they're flimsy, like small little grasses. But bromeliads work also, and they're really colorful. Nice. Will they try to eat any of these plants? What would you say, Dave? Will they try to eat any of these plants? No, they won't try to eat the plants, but they will actually try and dig in the dirt if it's a female and she's been bred. Um, she'll dig in the dirt and make a huge mess and uproot the plant. So that's why we don't use that's why we don't use uh live. Okay. Okay. Good to know. All right. Um what about food? What's the best thing to feed these guys? What is their diet like? Now, another huge thing about crusty geckos and why they're so popular in the reptile community is probably because of the fact that they do not eat insects. Other reptiles, you can find yourself spending, you know, and buying thousands of crickets a a month easily. But Mm -hmm. crusty geckos, they don't even need predominant insects. They need this diet. It's called crusty gecko diet. It's It's a powder, and you mix it with water. And basically, you know, you keep it in your refrigerator, you fill up a Gatorade cap or a small bottle cap, depending on how big your gecko is, and every two nights you change it out. No insects, no mess, no crickets getting loose in your house. Simple as that, and that's why they're such a big fan favorite. Oh, nice. They won't eat any insects? No, 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 they will eat insects. Um, actually, we, our schedule is we do Monday, Tuesday, Crested Gecko Diet, and then we do Thursday, Friday, Crested Gecko Diet, and then Saturday is when we give crickets. 
Uh, crested geckos can eat two types of insects, uh, crickets or dubia roaches. They can eat superworms and mealworms. I avoid. Other people may do other things, but I avoid mealworms and superworms. Dubias are good, too, but they seem to have more of an interest in crickets, and that's what we've seen they, gr- they grow the biggest on, is especially when you feed them crickets, and they like the, uh, the crickets preferable over the dubia roaches. Okay. Okay, interesting. Okay. Um, what else are going to ask you? Well, as far as keeping them, now, a lot of times we see, when I'm at the shows, I see crested geckos that, uh, that have no tails, and people call them frog butts. How does, what is actually happening when, <laughs> what is actually happening when a crested gecko loses its tail? Why do they drop their tails? Um, do their tails grow back? And um, how can one prevent that from happening? All right, well, just a quick uh, overview real quick. So frog butt basically is just simply the crested gecko lost its tail. Uh, some people may be confused wondering what frog butt is. To prevent that, the best <laughs> thing I've realized is a lot of people think that they drop their tails very easily, like very, very easily with handling-wise I'm talking about. Right. It, that's not necessarily true. You can, you know, if, if you have a little kid or something, they accidentally grab the tail, it's not just going to fall off. You know, if you're doing like a hard pinch or a hard grab, that could happen. But it's not always the case. I mean, I've never had it happen to me in my hands at all, even with little babies. Loud noises can also be a reason. If, you have, if you're there in a room where a door is slammed, I've seen geckos drop their tails that way. But other than that, you know, it's not like they're going to drop their tail. It mostly happens in breeding. Breeding is a number one reason why they drop their tails usually. Okay. So is it, is it seen more in females than males? I'm, what, what do you notice? Uh, actually, you know, that, that I have, that's a good point. It probably is, it usually is a lot more females without tails because being the fact that the breeding process with them is, you know, really, the males can be very aggressive. So tail dropping is right. a very, is a very common sign. What you'll notice is their tail will start to kind of wag like a, like a surrendering kind of thing, like a very slow wag back and forth. And that's a sign of uh, tail dropping. Sometimes it's not, sometimes they won't actually drop the tail, but that is, one of the first signs if they will drop their tail. I've noticed that also. Hmm. Okay. All right. Um, interesting. What do you got, Mandy? Um, my question was as far as, like, the humidity. Um, is there any particular methods that you guys, like, a ritual as far as spraying them down or misting or whatever you – do you recommend um, more of – like a fogger set on a timer or just that? I was wondering about how to keep them humid but not too humid. Um, We recommend you spray them with a sprayer once in the morning and then let the humidity drop and then once at night so that it spikes up again and then starts to slowly drop drop again. And that's because in the wild it rains in the morning and then at night again. Mm -hmm. So we like to keep the rhythm like that, like with nature. Nice. And do you have any issues with keeping, um, like, the tubs that don't have any substrate humid, like, to hold enough humidity? I, I just didn't know with having paper towels if that becomes, like, an issue at all. Paper towels actually stay wet pretty well. So okay. we spray them once in the morning. They, they are pretty wet once we spray them. And then throughout the day, they slowly give off humidity, which helps with the whole curve of uh, the humidity. That I was saying before. Nice. And, and then okay. Daniel also wants. I just want to. Uh, I just want to add add something really quick. Um, another big problem mm-hmm. with crested geckos is uh, 
mildew is actually a very big problem. See, what happens is, is people will have depressed gecko diet or they'll spray and they'll spray it too much and there will be no, there will not be proper airflow in the enclosures. And mildew okay. is like a spider webby looking, you know, thing for people who don't know what it is. I'm probably sure you guys right. are people. You're definitely familiar with it. And oh, no, the really good way that we've realized to prevent that is just, you know, making a good amount of airflow in the enclosure. Because I'm talking, you know, drilling holes in tubs. If you're using a tank, obviously it has the screen top already. And if a problem with tanks is that you don't have enough humidity, it's a very easy method. You just take some saran wrap and kind of block the top off a little bit. Don't be worried about them suffocating. They'll be fine. Just, you know, it, it helps the humidity um, raise up. Okay. Also, monsoons work very well. Monsoons are a very good thing that also keep uh, help keep their humidity up. And if you want to check those out, we do have those on our website. Um, and it really helps keeping the the humidity up, and it can be accommodated with uh, the fogger, too. Okay, cool. All right. Um, everybody, we are at the halfway point, and um, now I'm going to take a quick break, but I want everyone to know that in the second half of the show, uh, we are opening the phone lines for the callers, and I see that there's some people already in the call queue. Um, if you're listening uh, in the call queue, uh, chances are I'm going to take your call. Uh, so just get ready. And um, also, uh, people that call in are all going to be entered into a raffle. And one of those lucky callers is going to receive a 12-ounce bag of Pangea Cresta Gecko Diet, the watermelon flavor. And that is graciously mm. donated by Cresta Essential. So, yeah. So, and if you don't have a Cresta and you Yummy. win a bag of Cresta... You know, if you win the bag of crispy foods, maybe it'll try give you an incentive. Maybe not that bad. Maybe. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to give you an incentive to go buy a crispy gift. So you have to have Definitely. something that's going to eat the food. Right. Definitely. <laughs> All right. So everybody hang tight. We will be right back. And in a second, we're going to get into breeding and morphs and all that good stuff. So hang tight, everyone. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more. And all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. 
Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. ebdragons.com is your source for the highest quality doobie roaches. Whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps, abdragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt Reptile Heat Tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook. Supreme Gecko is a great source for crested geckos, day geckos, and other species, including micro geckos. Wally Kern is a top-notch breeder and gecko enthusiast. Visit SupremeGecko.com for his available animals and supplies. Reptiles Express is the absolute best live animal shipping company with great low rates. Debbie is the queen of customer service and will make sure your precious cargo gets to where it needs to. They also have a wide array of shipping supplies from deli cups, snake bags, heat packs, and more. Visit ReptilesExpress.com and become a member today. Ohio Gecko is famous for amazing tangerines, snows, and other very unique leopard gecko projects. Thad also has some incredible fat tail morphs available from stingers to starbursts. Visit him online at ohiogecko.com and at expos in the Northeast. He is also the owner of geckoforums.net. Okay, everybody, we are back. And uh, I want to just remind everyone, uh, to take advantage of our sponsors. Our sponsors love to uh, take care of Gecko Nation radio listeners. So contact any of our sponsors and mention the show. All right? And just off the top of my head, I know that uh, AB Dragons uh, gives 5% off all your orders uh, just by typing in the word Gecko at checkout. And um, all right, what else did I want to mention? I think that's it for now. But I want to get into um, the second part of the show here with... Uh, uh, we're going to get into breeding and morphs and stuff, but I'm going to let Mandy uh, start off this hour. Uh, go ahead, Mandy. Oh, thank you, Dave. Um, no problem. Mandy and Buddy, I got one more question before we go into the breeding questions that I have. Um, as far as uh, I know I'm big on leopard geckos. I know a lot more about them than I think any other species. Um, I know how they get the pockets they can get around their armpits. Um, is there anything similar that crusty geckos get that would be like where they store their calcium or something like that that you can check? Oh, my bad. <laughs> Hold on, i got to unmute them. My fault. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Go ahead. Oh. Oh, I'm like, I thought I um, stumped him, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no. Uh, actually, crested geckos are, have more of um it's more internal with them than it is, like, um, visible. Like, leopard geckos have the the fat, the calcium sockets under their armpits, and they also have kind of fat tails. It's not mm-hmm. like that with, with crested yeah. geckos. It's a lot more internal than it is external. Okay. Um. I actually was doing a little bit of research before the show. Have you ever heard of um, in their mouths that that they have two like little pockets? You can actually, if they, well, if you can get them to open their mouths. Um, I I didn't read too far into it, but it was saying that you can check 
under under like it's on the roof of their mouth. You can actually check and it will be larger if they've got more calcium in their system. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that really, really interesting. No, you you are correct actually. It's it's a little harder to tell with some it's more obvious in some geckos than it is in other, but I can't even believe drop that because okay. it is right. I have I have heard of that. But no, it is a little more visible in some geckos that are taking in more calcium. See, a lot of people just kind of just give Rapashi okay. or Pangea Crested Gecko Diet, which is fine. But if you're given, like, you know, some mm-hmm. crickets with a little more calcium in it, those those um are a little more visible than in others. Nice. Okay, cool. All right, you know, why don't we take a phone call? We've got a bunch of people lined up here. I'm going to grab the caller from the uh, caller from the 678 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hello? Caller, are you there? Hey, caller, how are you? Hi. I'm doing okay. How are you? Good. What's your question tonight? Um, well, I have one crusty gecko that I got from a pet store, and they fed it mealworms. Um, now, I'm not sure how I should go about mm-hmm. switching it off mealworms to a diet because it's a little bit inconvenient. Oh. Okay. Um, so you you want to switch it? Yeah. I mean, you really shouldn't you really shouldn't have a problem switching it. I mean, if they fed it mealworms, that's honestly kind of a shame on them because you know that's that's that should not be what a what a crested gecko is strictly eating. Um, the crested geckos, if you know, they like this, they can smell pretty good. If they smell the rapace pangea crested gecko food, they should have. If they're hungry, they'll go and eat it. Like, I don't think you'll have a problem where he just he won't be able to switch. Um, you know, just it's if you're looking to get the crested gecko diet, just give it an, if it's you know is it a baby or is it an adult? Um, or is it like a juvenile? Is it like kind of in the middle? Yeah, in the middle. In the middle. Oh yeah. Then I mean, it's it's still growing. Um, you know, it's just yeah, just put in some uh, crested gecko food. We have it on our website if you're looking to get it. Um, you know, just put it in the enclosure, and he should have no problem getting over you know if you see that he doesn't even he's not even licking it because he's just you know so on insects you know what you could try doing is giving some crickets and you know at least that's a little more helpful to him than giving him mealworms so i mean you know you don't want to do strictly crickets but it's better that he's eating crickets than mealworms but definitely try to get him into the uh, crest gecko diet just simply by offering it to him and you should have no problem with that all right thank you me, uh, is there a specific caller, hold, is there a specific hold, brand hold, 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 that you recommend Oh, there, we, there's actually two major brands, uh, Rapashi and Pangea. Um, whatever, they're pretty much both equally the same thing. One just made by a different. Um, they have, you know, whatever one you want to go with is really your choice. Price-wise, they're pretty much the same, too. If you want to check it out, you can go on our website, CrestyCentral.com. We have both Pangea and Rapashi, and you can choose which one you like better. They come in a few different um, ounces, and, uh, you know, but pretty much, geckos will eat both of them. I've used Pangea, I've used Rapashi, and my geckos will kill the whole Gatorade cap of full of food. So they're both pretty good. You shouldn't really have a problem. But those are the main two I would stick with, truthfully, Rapashi and Pangea. Okay. What's your name, caller? Is there any... Soft kitty. Soft <laughs> kitty, okay. Soft kitty, warm kitty. Well, if we're going to... 
Oh, if we're going to be sending, if you wind up winning, I'm going to need to know your name for shipping. So at that point, you're going to have to give it up. So okay. <laughs> oh, before we let Soft Kitty go, um, okay. is there any uh, actual particular flavor that the crested that's never had it might find irresistible? It does. Honestly, like just like you wouldn't want to eat pizza every day. Crested geckos don't really want the same flavor of food their whole life, so I kind of just change it nice. up every few yeah every few months. But no, preferably they'll eat you know there's the original flavor. Uh, there's watermelon. Pangea has watermelon and papaya mango flavor, and Rapashi has like peach and ori- but original is usually the one that's sold, and they'll still eat it. So I mean, if they're eating the original flavor that doesn't even have like a name, I'm sure they'll eat mango mm-hmm. and peach, and they like sweet things. So. Anything that smells okay. sweet, definitely. All right. I just have the regular one. Kitty. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. Uh, I'd like Bye, to just Kitty. jump in and maybe offer a suggestion. And you, you know, Danny and Buddy, you tell me if this may work. If somebody like him, he's trying to get his gecko off of the mealworms onto something different. Perhaps, maybe if he, if you put like some small duvia in a bowl and instead of dusting them with you know, the calcium and whatnot, maybe you could dust them with some of the actual crested gecko diet so he starts incorporating some of that flavor. Yeah, Dave. Would that I've work? I've never even thought about that. That probably would work nice. if they slowly got him transitioned over. But that is a that mm-hmm. is a pretty good idea. I've never okay. even heard about yeah, that. Well, that's stuff you come up with after 30 years of keeping reptiles. Yeah. I was thinking, I've had, you know, I've had, like, difficult things, uh, animals that, you know, either transitioned in the past and, you know, we try to give them a multi, you know, multitude of flavors and start to get them, you know, adjusted to it. So that's how I thought of it. But, yeah, all right, maybe it'll work. Just an idea for you guys. You, yeah, you could also, What's that, I was going to say, you, you could also put um, some of the powdered, not wet form of the crested gecko diet in a bowl that you have the dubia in also. So they, as they're biting, they might also get even more of it. Right. That would be, yeah. that would that actually be kind of dry for them. So they probably oh, okay. Yeah, I actually was just thinking of another thing while you guys were talking. You know, this is actually another method that they'll do if the gecko's not eating. You know, if you if you take the rapashi or the pangea, the food, and you wipe it on their, kind of just touch it onto their, their mouth, they'll lick it off. I've always, I've never seen a gecko that I've wiped some food onto their mouth or they kind of just, I'm putting the gecko food in, they kind of just put their mouth in it, they always end up licking it off. So that's another thing you could do is if you maybe want to take a little syringe, fill it with some gecko food, and kind of just maybe, like, put it on their mouth, the tip of their mouth, they'll lick it off. I've noticed that. And that may be another good way to let them get accustomed to eating that type of food and maybe not so much insects. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and grab this other caller here. Caller from the uh, the 612 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, guys. It's Chad. How are you doing? Oh, hey. Going on, Chad. Hey. Hello. Say, hello. Say with um with the crested when you do start getting into the breeding, um, a do you introduce the male to the female or female to male, and then how long would you leave them together before you pull them back out or separate them? Good question. When the geckos are not in breeding season, they're all individually housed in tubs. But when it comes to breeding season, I have breeder tanks set up. Uh, we have a bit, uh, no, I'm sorry, not breeder tanks. We have breeder tubs set up, and it's a big tub, and we keep, we have the males introduced all in there. Each male gets its own tub, 
And then what we start doing is we start taking our biggest, strongest females and are ready to go, and we'll put them in with the males. So the males are okay. in there originally, and then we put three females, two or three females, in the tub with them. And then after they're all done breeding, we give them like two, three, a week or two to breed. We then take the females out and put them in their individual tubs so we can monitor their egg life. Okay, so now if you now if you're not going to be doing the group breeding, so you're just going to be doing you know one on, you're not mixing one male with a bunch of females, just one on one. Is there any worried about about them fighting or, um, you know how do you how do you monitor that? Uh, see one on I used to do one on one. I kind of noticed it wasn't really working. I, I just feel like the female is way too stressed, it only being them two. It's only like the male, you know, because the male will continuously try to breed with the female. Even if they've bred already and it's been successful, the male will still try to do it. So I think okay. at the time it'll just get too stressful because it's just constantly her. There's no attention divvied up into three other females, if, if you get what I'm saying. Right, so so if 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 you were just doing a one on one, you'd watch them. Maybe you'd lead them in for a day. Yeah, and I mean that would be the one on one. See, the, I've done the one on one. If I'm with people and they want to see a gecko, you know, they want to see the gecko breed or something. You know, I'll put the male and female together in a tub. And you know, sometimes I've watched the geckos breed right in front of me. Sometimes, but if some geckos are, you know, <laughs> I think geckos could be shy. I mean, you know, maybe they don't yeah. want to do that stuff while you're watching. So they'll kind of just, you know, they, it's better to kind of <laughs> you can't do it when you're watching. <laughs> now, do you think it would so do you think that it's better to introduce like a completely unfamiliar tub for both of them? You think that's better or I don't know. Um the males actually can release a scent and uh males are pretty dominant. So if you introduce them into a new tub both of them, that's another method that can work too. I really don't see why I can't. But when the males kind of have their own tub and a female is introduced, it's kind of it's all fenced up with the male. Like you just, I feel gotcha. like it, it promotes it promotes breeding a little more when you do it that way. <laughs> Other than it being a new okay. enclosure where every gecko or the male needs to kind of like get situated and doesn't focus more on breeding. I mean that's just how I feel and it's been pretty successful. So. Okay. Great. Thank you very all much. All right, Chad. Thanks a lot, Chad. All right. Take it easy. Bye. All right. Want to grab one more phone call while we're at it? Do it. <laughs> All right. Caller from, uh, let's see, I think I know who this is. Caller from the 253 area code. You are live on Definition Radio. Hi, David. This is Elsa Borzoi. Hey, Elsa, how are you? Don't put me in the running for for the uh, prize because I won some last December from uh, from Wally. And I still have a lot of it, so give someone else a chance, okay? Are you sure? Okay. Uh, my question for the guys is: At what uh, grams uh, weight should you uh, should the female be before you breed them? Uh, we recommend if they don't have a tail, then you then we wait until they're 35 grams. But if they do have a tail, we recommend until uh, 40 grams. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thanks, Elsa. <clears throat> All right. Okay, cool. Well, that was nice of you, Elsa. Um, well, you mm-hmm. know, that was now, with, um, with, with leopard geckos, you know, it's very easy to determine when a female is ovulating and ready to breed. Um, you know, with leopard geckos, we like to wait till they're about 50 grams or so. Uh, for most females, 45 to 50 or so. With crested geckos, with the females in particular, 
uh, how do you determine when they're they're ovulating, for instance, when it, when it's the right time to pair them with the male? You know, I've bred leopard geckos, and I've for just you know close to how long as I've been bred crested geckos. It's definitely a lot harder to tell in crested geckos than it is in leopard geckos. Leopard geckos have kind of like a like a see-through stomach. I mean, Dave, you're a big gecko breeder. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's ovulating is a lot easier to see, being at pink circles or a pink circle. Uh, crested geckos have more of like a darker stomach, so it's not as easy to see. What I've kind of noticed that just, you know, during breeding season, which is uh, early early March to, you know, early October, which is typically breeding season, they're kind of just ready to go. You know, you throw them in, you put them in a tank, and, you know, just let kind of nature take its course. They kind of just just ovulate when breeding season comes around, and it's just you kind of – it's a little harder to tell, but, you know, they always end up getting the job done. Well, when does the breeding season start usually for crested then? In the in, the you know? breeding season can start early as late, late February, like last week in February. Uh, and that will go from March to usually late September, early October. That's typically the breeding season. And then after that, you want to give them about four months of cooling where they can just kind of recuperate, get their weight back, house individually. That's when I end up housing everyone individually again. Their weight can get back up, and they can get ready for the next season once they're all catch caught up to weight. You know what? I find it very interesting that the temperature that crested geckos can be kept at successfully in digester food. You know, as a you know, as like a lifetime, lifelong reptile owner and keeper and breeder, you know, I'm so used to temperature being such a huge factor in keeping the animals healthy, having them be able to digest their food properly. But you're with crested geckos. I mean, like 70 degrees and such is is normal. It just for some reason, it just doesn't register right in my head, but I know we are, I know it's the truth. Um, yeah. It's just fascinating to me. It really is. Um, I, like I, nature, come background, I come from a background. I come from a background with uh, dart frogs, so mm-hmm. I've always known to not go above eighty. So it, mm-hmm. it's actually spot on for me because I've always but, done yeah, all right. uh, dart frogs. Mm-hmm. But with my mom's dragons, with my mom's dragons, um, you need like 110 degrees, 115 degrees, just for the dragon to live. But I'm not, I'm not used to having any heat at all. So, Mm -hmm. where are these guys from in nature? Where they originate from? Uh, New Caledonia. New Caledonia. Okay. So island off in the and I, it's uh, it's on the uh, coast of Australia, New Caledonia. Okay, so, so it's a tropical, they, it's like tropical climate, more or less. Weren't they, like, almost extinct? I, I thought I heard something about that. Yes, actually, um, they were thought to be extinct for, like, a long time. They just kind of just dropped off the face there. They were rediscovered in um, 94, 95. Um, I'm sorry, I think they were, they were, I, I believe they were rediscovered in the late, Yes, I believe they were rediscovered in the late 80s, and then they were—they didn't get popular in the pet trade until 94, 95. I apologize. Um, I have my numbers messed right. up. And then they became—they're starting to get really popular over the years. But yeah, they were—they were, you know, thought to be extinct. They were thought to be prehistoric, and then, then wow. they, were, they were found again. They were found again, and people just started realizing, you know, they're they're great animals. The popularity shot up, and honestly, the popularity has increased over the last few years. And you know. High too, like really I, high increase. Now, I remember did, were, that when they first came on the scene, were, I totally remember that. 
Mm-hmm. How did they end up in the pet trade when they were, like, nearly extinct? Did the zoos start breeding projects and then eventually the public got a hold of them after they weren't endangered anymore? Or how did it – I'm I lost. That's crazy. <laughs> they literally found so many. And just what happened oh, – okay. It's a little different than leopard geckos, how they did it. I'm pretty familiar with the Ron Trepper's you know, story. But the crested gecko, they pretty much just found so many. And, you know, just, I guess, through the, the like, expos, because expos have been going on, you know, for a while and stuff, and I right. guess it just found its way there. Breeders just got, you know, to pop, it, they became so easy to breed in captivity, and then just slowly it started, you know, coming to people like, wow, these are really cool pets, and they just shot up since there. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Um, we have another caller here. I'm going to go ahead and grab the caller from the 973 Area code nine seven three. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Uh, Hi, caller. What's your question? Hi. Um, um, I just had a question on like how, like about how big does the crested gecko get? Um, okay, about to be like eight and a half. No, it's like six, seven inches with the tail. Yeah, it's about about six to seven inches with the tail. Some males tend to get a little bit thicker, a little bit longer. Female, uh, I mean, without a tail, pretty much like five five inches. But uh, yeah, the tail adds about three inches to the gecko. It, adds, it also adds a little weight too, about three to four three to four grams sometimes. So that's why you want to make sure that if they have they have a tail, you breed them a little bit heavier in size. Okay, okay. thank you. What's your name, caller? Alejandra. Okay, thank you for calling. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> 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 All right, let's great. Let's take one more call while we're at it. Uh, we have a caller from the. Uh, let's see. Wow, I've got a lot of people on here. Okay, I'm going to take the caller from the three three zero area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hello. Oh, are you there? Oh, there we go. <laughs> Yeah? Okay. There's another one here. Let me take another caller. Uh, caller from, let's see, the 432 area code. Oh, wait, I think I, is that Loki? No, Loki doesn't want to come on. Um, okay. You know what? I'm not sure. I think the other people are just listening. Um, I'm going to ask one of my questions now. Now, All right. with, <laughs> with, now you have your female and your male. Now, um, and now, I want to get into actually breeding because if I decide to get in a pair of these guys, I mean, if I decide to get in crestids, I'm going to get a pair because I want to actually experience breeding them. Definitely. Um, right. So suppose so I go ahead and I buy, well, first question is, is it better to buy an adult or is it better to buy sub-adults and grow them up yourself? Now, this is an experience that I've learned over the year that it is always better to buy your buy little stuff and breed it mm-hmm. up your own because you can you can you know what you're feeding it you know where you're getting it from you know that it's never been bred yet you know that it's still got many good years of breeding and you go ahead and buy an adult proven breeder because it's forty fifty dollars and oh you can breed it you don't know why the person's giving up a female why would you give up a perfectly good female or male that can breed and you know give you babies so it's always better to buy from reputable reputable people who um, you know have good high end babies. And you can grow that up yourself, and that's the best way to get into breeding, for breeding Absolutely. them. Absolutely, I agree. All right, so then, nice. you know, I want to go ahead and buy a nice pair of crested. Now, and 
I, I actually do. So I want to. I particularly like the reds and the Halloween face ones. Nice yeah, we actually focus, we focus on those. We, that's like the focus of our thing is uh, nice red Halloweenish type colors and stuff. You know, crest geckos, there's so many different colors, and it's just it's not all discovered like leopard geckos yet, so you really don't know what you can get. It's just, it's, it's great. Okay. All right. So if I get a nice pair of reds that I like, and I buy them young, and I grow them up, and, uh, you know, I get them to breeding size, uh, and I'm successful, and the female actually... Uh, becomes fertilized. Now, what can I expect as far as, far as uh, egg laying? How often will they lay the eggs? How many will she lay during the season? And then we'll we'll get into incubation. Um, they'll she'll lay about she'll lay two clutches of first time breeders will lay two eggs, but that does, or one egg, but that doesn't always mean it's necessarily good. So the first season uh, with a lot of females, you know, it's pretty much with a lot of reptiles. The first season isn't exactly the greatest. Uh, it can have a few bad eggs, but that doesn't mean it's all bad eggs. Um, then the second season is typically the season where you're going to have most success. The female will be laying two eggs every month, and she'll lay about typically eight to ten eggs in a, in a season. Okay. Okay. Okay, cool. And, all right. Now, what about incubation? And, um... I was gonna before we get to incubation, um, the mm-hmm. sperm. How long can they actually after breeding? How long will they store that? Because I've heard some crazy stories. I'm sorry. Oh, did yeah. you say how long they'll continue living after breeding? What'd you say? I was like, can you repeat your question? I, I didn't um, hear it. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, how long can they after breeding them? Uh, after the male mates with the female, how long can they actually store the sperm? Like, um, I, because the, I've, I've heard... They'll store the sperm for the rest of the season. They'll store the sperm for the rest of the season. Just that's just, I'm pretty sure it's the same okay, thing so with leopard geckos. They'll be able to produce eggs right. throughout the whole thing. Males can breed with, like, up to, like, 10, 15 females. I mean, they, they, there's no limit on them. Females, oh, wow. there's a limit on You know, they get okay. one season, just... Sperm, once, a, you know, once they right. mate, they hold the sperm for the whole season, and then the next season you can introduce them to a new male or the same male, whatever you choose okay. to do. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that's uh, – well, what, what's the incubation temperature, Danny, or buddy? Uh, incubation temperature is pretty much room temperature. They don't even need an incubator. Honestly, most of my, oh my God. eggs I've hatched, I didn't even put them in an incubator. It was oh, on my yeah. health. It was on my top shelf in summertime. Um, it was like 78 degrees in my room, and they hatched within nine, 80 days. 85 days is actually the time it hatched. Um, if you incubate wow. it, if, it's, if, it's high, if you put it in an incubator and you set it for 80 degrees, or if your room is just 80 degrees in the summer, then it will hatch out probably a lot sooner, 60 days even. But if it's a colder temperature, like in your room it's like 70, which would be the minimum with the eggs, it could take up to 110, 120 days, actually, for crust geckos to hatch at that low of a temperature. But you don't even need an incubator. All right. Now, my next wow. question, everybody's, gonna, everybody's probably thinking the same thing. Are crest geckos temperature sex determined? It's not, it's, it's not like leopard geckos at all. No, it's not, it's not like that. Um, I, I mean, I guess I have heard some stuff that people say that cooler temperatures do lead to females also. But I haven't actually been able to prove that out myself, so I'm not going to go ahead and say an answer that I can't necessarily say is true. But what I do know mm-hmm. is that, um, you know, that with hotter temperatures, they hatch 
faster and with cooler temperatures they hatch slower. That's really the best thing I could tell you about egg laying. It's not really sex related, or at least what I could say. Okay. All right. We have a caller from the four zero one area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Chrissy, is that you? Chrissy, you're on you're on Gecko Nation Radio. <laughs> no, Chrissy, you there? <laughs> I am here. How are you guys doing tonight? You're doing good. What's your Hi. question for us? Awesome. You didn't pick up the right number. I can hear I'm you. I'm here. Chrissy. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing oh. good. Hello? Can you hear us? I can hear now. Okay, there we go. Okay, what's your question? Okay, um, I was actually I've uh, bred crested geckos uh, many years ago. And when I was breeding, there was no such thing as an albino crested gecko or a white crested gecko. As far as you know, is anybody any closer to producing that infamous white crested gecko? Uh, question. Right now, there's a debate on whether some really light uh, crespies are considered albino. I have a really, like, really, like, a cool-colored crestie at home, like, whitish-blue, but I wouldn't consider her albino at all. No, I, okay. I'm not proven that yeah, it's not proven that no one's yet. made an albino crest yet. Okay, I was just uh, kind of curious since it's been, I haven't really um, bred crests in quite a few years. I do own some still, but I haven't actually actively bred them in, in a while and I haven't really been too uh, firm in the industry for quite some time. So I was just curious if anybody had uh, gotten further. <laughs> yeah, no, not not that they've, out, that they've come out publicly and stated or yeah, the breeder. If, hey, if someone produced an albino crested, I mean, the price of that would be insane. And you know what? He's probably keeping that secret to himself and not letting it out, so he has his own mind of it. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll still be cool. I can't wait till they actually do it, though. Oh, definitely. You know what? It'll, it'll be Someday. done. Genetics are are just it's a world of possibilities. You know, it's nothing's yeah. been all yeah, discovered. Yeah, it's very yet. very true. And and I know cresties are still new, so hopefully yeah, in the next couple of years. Yeah, genetics are a little hard with them. Genetics are a little hard with cresties definitely a little there's not as much and it's kind of a little different you know you can breed a and a really expensive crestie to a really expensive crestie and it's not you know you're going to get nice stuff but you could also get like you know a, a flame a normal kind of original. yeah I, re- I remember <laughs> i remember yeah so <laughs> you know you could don't be surprised if that happens but that doesn't you know but necessarily you know nicer stuff is gonna get you nicer stuff so that's not always the case but that's the thing about crestie geckos it, that's why the genetics are still kind of wacky you know yeah, no, definitely. And have you guys, um, one more quick question, if I have time. Um, like with leopard geckos, where temperature can actually determine the amount of black within the animal, have you guys mm-hmm. noticed anything like that in the crested geckos? Um, actually, geckos that have been incubated longer, um, this is from my personal experience. Other people might have had different experiences, but I've actually noticed that geckos that I have that have took longer to hatch actually were kind of a, a darker color. That could have just been that that's just what happened with geckos I bred, that it was just a darker gecko. But I have noticed that a lower temperature actually did have a kind of a bit of a lighter color. But that, like I said, that could have definitely just been just how it came out. It's a coincidence, but I have noticed that, that a darker color crested, darker color crested came out when they took longer to hatch. But that's not necessarily the case. That's just my experience. Yeah, very cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yep, thank you for asking. Hey, hey. Of course. Hey, Chrissy, are you ready? Are you ready for next week? It's Loki. I am, and I'm super excited. Awesome. I'm All really, right. really we'll excited. I'm, I'm ready to go. 
<laughs> awesome. All right, cool. Let's talk during the week and, and talk about it. Yep, yep, I'll talk to you later. Thank you. All right. All right, cool. All right, you guys mentioned a little bit about the morphs. And um, now this is my interpretation of, from what I've talked to, to other Crestie breeders about, and you, you guys let me know what your feelings are. Um, it seems like that a lot of these genetics are just in the Crested Geckos. And basically, Crested Gecko breeders are actually trying to deconstruct the different, uh, different variations at this point and, and isolate the different traits as opposed to trying to develop the traits. Is that what you find is going on? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, I mean, the only way you can really prove out anything is by breeding it. You know, uh, Dave, being a leopard gecko breeder yourself, you know that you can't really determine what people say unless you really breed it. Traits, they just, you know, they still need to be unlocked. They just still need to be proven out, and that's just what breeders' main goal is, main goals are. And, you know, you want, if you have, if you create a line of something new, you know, it's best to just kind of hold that and, you know, see what else you can unlock, and that's the only way you're going to do it is by proving out, by breeding it. Okay. Yeah, that's that's cool. I hope they find an albino. I think it's just like a numbers game, like my friend Daryl always says, where if enough people are breeding them, sooner or later... (laughs) So, yeah, sooner or later, it's just going to come out. I mean, melanistic, leucistic, oh, patternless. I mean, it's only a matter yeah. of time. I mean, Cresties have only really been in the hobby for 20 years, most, and mm-hmm. not too many people have bred them. So, com- compared to the leopards with the albinism everywhere, it's pretty rare to find a albino Crestie, if possible. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Now, what's... What's everybody's favorite? Uh, is it morph with the Cresties? Are they actually oh, yeah, identifying yeah, the, the different variations? Okay. It's morph, yeah. well, what um, are you guys' cool favorite morph? Do you have a cool thing about crested geckos? Is they they fire up when they when it's during the daytime they're not you know yeah. um, being sprayed down. They'll be more of a duller color, and it is nothing okay. cooler than watching your. Not if it's a really nice gecko, it may not be necessarily dull. But some crestes will look mm-hmm. not that well when they're dry, but when you start spraying them and at the nighttime, you just need to see how the colors just pop. And their colors will only get better mm-hmm. as they get older. Personally, we are a huge fan here of full pinstripes, which is, means that their their scales on their back are just raised, so it kind of looks like two lines going directly from their back spaced apart. Right. Really cool. And then the other one of our favorites is reds. Crest Central actually focuses on reds. We have a lot of... Um, Reds that we found over the years, grew them up ourselves, and now they are actually in a breeder tank right now, um, you know, doing what they got to do to get mm-hmm. get some reds for us, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, we, reds are really cool because, I mean, when they fire up, I'll tell you, they, their red is like a fire, their fire truck red. I mean, it, it, when they fire up, it, it's really, nice. really bright red. It's a really cool color. It's no second guess. If a gecko is red, there's no second guess in red. It's got the color. <laughs> huh. How about this, though? Now, when I'm at a reptile show, I see all different types of Cresteds, and um, the, the, the way they look at the shows, usually they're probably somewhat stressed because they've been transported to the shows, and, they, you know, they, they're in the deli cups and whatever, and uh, they may be, they're not probably in their most comfortable state. Are those colors and the way they look at the shows representative of how they actually look when they're, so, you know, so-called fired up, or does it vary? What, what do you guys notice? You know, actually, the riling them up with being all the constant motion, the wet, when you put them in a deli cup for if you're doing that for shows, 
we don't like we don't really do the deli customer shows. We actually uh, kind of set them up in their little critter keepers. They have a little bit more room. But you know, you spray the deli cup or critter keeper, mm-hmm. get them get them shoot, uh, fired up, humid. They actually get fired up at the shows. If it's humid and they're wild up enough, they will get fired up. And a lot of the times, geckos look great at the shows. And you know, there's been times where I've had a gecko that was fired up, really nice at a show. Someone comes over, they want to buy it, they love how it looks colored, and they call me up and they go, "I got home and." Uh, the gecko doesn't look like it did at the show. And I'm just like, I'm just like, give, I'm just like, give it a few hours, spray it, lots of happens. Like, wow, how do they do that? And I was like, yeah. So I mean, it's, it's that, that sometimes if the, uh, you know, person selling the geckos keeps them humid enough, and uh, people are kind of taking out of the tubs and playing with them, they'll fire it up. And a lot of the times, it actually is their true color. Uh, not all the time, but a lot of the times, their true color does show at the shows. Okay. That's cool. I'm going to take a call here. we got a caller from the 432 area code, uh, 432. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, Dave. It's Daryl. How are you doing tonight? What's up, big Daryl? Well, hey, I'm sitting here breeding, breeding geckos, uh, just just leopards. I don't have any Cresties, but they're sure neat. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Listen to you. Well, all the questions you guys are doing pretty good. These shows are getting better. All the questions that I had, y'all, y'all pretty much covered. Uh, the only thing I was curious about, I was intrigued with the temperature. So you, you keep them a lot cooler, correct? Yeah, a lot of temperature. Yeah, a lot cooler than like a bearded dragon or euro, where you have to keep them in the low hundreds. Right. They don't. Uh, they're not like luchis where they breed. Uh, you know, for the same, they pair up for life. They don't do anything like that, do they? No, they don't pair up for life. Not like the leeches. Well, heck of a deal. I'm, yeah. I'm sure I'll very have easy, to. Uh, right? What's that, Dave? What'd you say? It's, don't they seem very easy, Daryl? Like, it's almost like, I mean, it's like so you're effortless. All you got to do is, you know, use the powdered food, put a little water in there, and keep them at room temperature, and you're just pretty much good to go. Right. Yeah, that's... uh. uh how about the winter time? Do you? I mean, how? How? I see. You said they went to a four-month cooling period. How cool do you let them go? Oh, I mean, by by cooling period, I don't necessarily mean you know the temperature just drops naturally. I kind of mean just getting them away from the males, keeping them individually housed, and let letting them rest, letting them. They're they're not going to be egg laying anymore. The winter months are going to naturally bring this temperature down. That's the, that's what I mean by cooling period. Um, you know, just my room temperature will drop from you know in the summer it's like 75, 76. In the winter, my room will go like 68 and 69. That's what I mean by cooling. Uh, they're rested. Right. They get their weight back up. They're not laying eggs anymore. And then back in March, I will put them back in with their males, and breeding season begins again. So you just leave them together for mm-hmm. say a month, and then separate them. Yeah, um, yeah. About I leave them their males about a month. I take them out of their tanks. I put them in their individual tubs where I can monitor their egg laying. Because this way, if I left them all in the tank and they were laying eggs, I wouldn't know what eggs came from who, and that would be a problem because then I'd be, you know, giving the people and not knowing the, the actual dad or the actual mom. I mean, I have no the dad, but not the actual mom. So you want to make right. sure you keep it organized and you keep good notes. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, so cool. Thanks, Daryl. Well, you have anything yeah, else to uh, ask? No, I, I, I mean it's intriguing. I, uh, I've been waiting on this one all week to, to listen. So I've been sitting here, cleaning a few cages, feeding a few animals, and breeding a few animals. But uh, just yeah, it's, it's very, very intriguing. Uh, 
Uh, you know, I've seen a couple of them at the local box stores, you know, but I've never never been real close to any real nice ones. Mm. You better make it out to the New York show and see some of the ones they have. Yeah, you know, I'd love to do that. You know, I mean, we have a couple of shows down here in Texas that I'm, you know, about four or five hours away from, and uh, it seems like this year, every time they've had one, I've been working. But uh, Uh, with my crazy schedule, so. But one of these days, (laughs) I'll get to do it, and uh, uh, I'm sure that uh, a Cresty's in my future sometime. I don't know when. Oh, no, definitely, especially if you have a busy schedule. I mean, there's nothing better than send them i mean you you spray them you know if you're busy and you're not home in the morning you know spray them at night they'll be fine you know it's not like they need to be you know like constantly worried about all the time they're really hardy you know insects are not a big deal give them some powdered food uh you know the the best echo diet give it to them you know you're gone for a few days they're not going to die you know they're they're really hardy animals and they're good for people who aren't you know they they don't need to be so worried about like a lot of other reptiles they're really kind of you know, See, do, do you feed them any fresh fruit at all, or or just do the powdered uh, diet? Um, I've heard of people doing it. I've never personally done it. Baby food is another thing that people have fed them, and I am against that too. I mean, the the crested gecko diet is made specifically for them. There's really no need to give them any of that other stuff. Uh, we're past the uh, crested gecko diet, and insects are predominantly all you need for a crested gecko. Nothing else. Yeah, a buddy of mine, I guess, whenever they really started getting famous again in the, the early 90s, uh, he picked mm-hmm. some up at a Repticon show. He had a real, real red one that back then was, uh, there were a lot of people drooling over it. And, and that's what, you know, of course, you know, we didn't have the uh, all the stuff that's out there today. And, and I know he, he fed his baby food. Yeah, that you know, was a big thing. You know, people didn't know any better. Um, yeah. Because the, the baby food is really, really uh, high in sugar. It doesn't really have the proper nutrients for them. I've seen geckos, the geckos getting, like, you know, metabolic bone disease from that, and I've, I've seen them, like, kind of disfigured on only being fed baby food. I mean, they, the, a picture I've seen, it could have been fake. You know, you can't always trust everything on the Internet, but, you know, like I said... Yeah, he, he, also, fed, he also fed them mealworms, and, and uh, I, I think he said he would feed them papaya, fresh papaya as well. I mean, I guess that would be fine, but the mealworms and the baby food, I mean, you know... Yeah. Yeah, of course, this is 25, you know, 20, 25 years ago. I mean, oh, we've yeah, come a long yeah, way since this. It's gotten so much more research through the years. You know, they're only they're only getting better and better. Exactly. Well, you guys keep up the good work. I'll, uh, I'm, I'm listening and, and, and doing my thing, and, and I appreciate all the hard work and uh, good information you guys are putting out there. Oh, Thank you so much. Thanks for calling yeah, in. Thank you for calling. You bet, Dave. Bye-bye. Thank you. Okay, we have another call here from the caller from the 201 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Caller, there? Hello. Hi, Um, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, what's your name, caller? Okay, I'm Samantha. Hi, Samantha, what's your question? Hi, Samantha. Okay, um, so I have two questions. Um... Okay. And the first is I've heard about um, this special food for, like, the crested geckos that enhances their color, and I was wondering if you guys knew anything about it and, like, if it actually works. Good question. Uh, yeah, actually, Rapashi does make a product. It's called uh, Super Pig. Super Pig just kind of enhances the, uh, just enhances the color of the geckos. Um, I also picked up this other 
uh, product at the show at White Plains the other day, uh, a few weeks ago, actually. And uh, I don't know the name of it, but I do know it's, it's basically kind of like a, it's a version of Super Pig, and I spread it to the babies, and, and I think I'm going to start doing that before we go to shows and stuff, kind of just give the geckos that, that Super Pig and that, that color boost so people can truly see. It doesn't, it doesn't really make the colors more, like, crazy different than when they're not. It just kind of boosts it, so it, it shows during the show, and you know the gecko's true colors. So, you know, you don't pass over something you really could like because it's kind of not fired up. The Super Pig kind of fires the gecko up, and it's a really nice thing to do if you're trying to, you know, highlight a certain mm-hmm. gecko you're trying to, you know, sell or show off, you know? Well, that's pretty cool. I also have a well, second, your second question. question. Um, <laughs> okay, so if I wanted to breed, like, I have a crested gecko. If I wanted to start breeding geckos and, like, I got a gecko that had an underbite, would it be bad to breed that? Uh. We actually we actually had a gecko that we um that had an underbite and we put it on a Facebook auction and um we we you want to make sure that with a gecko with an underbite it's more pest quality you don't want to breed a gecko with an underbite it is one of the main deformities in crested geckos uh, over overbites and underbites um I haven't heard of a specific like you know someone saying that they bred a gecko with an underbite and it's come out the babies have come out with underbites. But, you know, just as a general rule of thumb, you don't want to breed anything that, that can possibly spread that genetics to the babies because it's just going to saturate the market, and you don't want to do that. So I don't recommend breeding anything with a deformity, especially like an underbite. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Samantha. Thanks, Samantha. Thank Have- you. <laughs> okay, all right. I think that will be the last call we're going to take for tonight. We're nearing the end, but Amanda wants to ask a few more questions. Go ahead, Mandy. Okay. Um, thank you, Dave. I had yep. a question. What um, What do you guys use as far as incubation medium? We love. I've tried a whole bunch of different things in my in my time of breeding. I've tried vermiculite. I've tried hatchrite. I've tried perlite. Um, and the thing I've had most success with that we sell on our website, and I got it from Dale from Dale's Breed of Dragons. It's a it's vermiculite, but it's not like the fine-grade vermiculite. It's like this chunkier piece mm-hmm. of vermiculite. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but just the yeah. chunks are kind of a little thicker. Yep. And honestly, it holds humidity great. It keeps the eggs in place, and it's not that messy. Like, it's not – yeah, the humidity is perfect. It holds um, the eggs the eggs perfectly, and you put half the, vermicul- half the egg covered by vermiculite, half the egg up- upright with no vermiculite, and they, they'll hatch in their time. Um, yeah, and we we do check. Okay. If you want to check that out? We have that on Cressy Central on our website, and it's a great product for egg incubation. I've had a hundred percent success rate with it, and I can't say the same like stuff with perlite. I've had problems with it getting too humid. My eggs were molding, but that might be me mm-hmm. messing up. So vermiculite, that's a really good product, especially the big chunk one. So you check that out on our website if you're interested. Okay, and then also yeah. um, the amount of moisture. Would you do the same, like, as you would um, the amount of moisture in the medium as you would a leopard gecko, or do they require more, less? I don't know. Oh, uh, no, in general with the with the leopard gecko, crested gecko, egg, um, when it's being incubated, pretty much the same thing. Um, I put about two inches, two inches of, uh, of medium in the egg laying, I mean, in the egg container. I poke two pin-sized mm-hmm. holes in the sides with two inches of, 
vermiculite, the chunky vermiculite. And then how I keep it moist is I will take the um, I'll take the the vermiculite. I'll put it under an I'll put it under a sink and I'll go through the water three times. And and then what I'll do is I'll take the vermiculite and I'll squeeze it. If it clumps up in your hand like a ball, that's way too much water. But if it's kind of just mm-hmm. okay. if it's a little bit of water is coming out, that's not a big deal. But if it's like a waterfall of water coming out, then that's a little too much um, medium. And then you might want to get rid of that okay. because you don't want the eggs to mold. Gotcha. And we, yeah, we also do we also do have incubators on our uh, website also. So we have uh, there's two types of incubators: hovabator, the hovabator, and the reptabator. Uh, reptabator is just a little more technologically advanced, but both pretty good. Okay, um, cool. Also, um, we also do have. Ahead, we also we're gonna do a little show. Um, a little special for the show. If you guys are interested in any incubators, we're also including a free bag of the vermiculite with any incubators. So if you want to check out CrestCentral.com and you're interested in getting breed getting started with breeding, we are sending out a free bag of vermiculite with incubators purchase. So just if you guys want to check that oh, out. Nice. Good. Um, okay, we're going to take one last call that I see that's in here. Uh, another caller from the 201 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, this is uh, this is Greg from uh, New Jersey. Hi, Greg. Hi, Greg. What's your question? Hi, well, I, I've actually been to my fair share of reptile experiments there, and I've actually seen you guys vending there. You guys probably know who I am, but uh, yeah, we know I was just wondering. Yeah, there... So I've been talking to different people, and there's a whole bunch of controversy on what size containers to keep baby crested geckos in. I've, I've, heard, I've heard that you can keep them in something that's as small as a four-by-four four little, little cup, and I've, heard, and I've heard people say that you should keep them in large critter keepers and everything in between. So I was wondering what you guys uh, house your freshly hatched uh, crested geckos in. As soon as the crested gecko hatches, we put them right into critter keeper minis, um, you know, being that it's a baby and being that we are just trying to make sure it gets the, the, the most delicate stage of life for really any animal is when it's a baby. So that's when it needs to have the most care. Uh, food needs to be easy to find and water needs to be easy to find too, simply by spraying it down. But we recommend the, uh, critter, ca- critter keeper minis. They're cheap. They work well. And then as the crusty game starts to get older, if you're talking tub wise, um, I would use about a... 15, 16 quart. Uh, if you're going in size of a tank, I recommend uh, 12, 12, 18. Uh, but yeah, for babies, definitely the critter keepers. I mean, you could a critter keeper large would probably be fine too. It's still pretty small, but you know, for fresh for fresh hatchlings, I recommend the critter keeper small and, and mini. All right, and uh, and also critter keepers now. Now they have the ventilation in the top, which uh, which I know lets out just a ton of humidity. So, what would you recommend for uh, keeping humidity in? Yeah, typically, um, the critter keepers are pretty good with it, it holds humidity and it keeps humidity, it holds humidity and it releases humidity fairly well. Um, so, but if you're having a problem with the humidity re- being released too fast, which typically I've never had to take some saran wrap and maybe block off half the ventilation, but typically you shouldn't have a problem. It does a good job of, of keeping the uh, humidity pretty well, the dog with paper towel, that is. All right, well, uh, thank you guys for your help, and I'll see you at the next show. All right, All right. Thanks, thanks, thanks for calling in. Anytime. Uh, we have a question uh, in the group in the uh, chat room from Angela. Uh, lovely Angela asks, what age uh, do you, well, for, for kids and, and um, for young herpers that are getting involved with geckos, um, 
how old does a kid need to be to be able to be responsible enough with with crescents? Because they are they can be a, uh, kind of delicate. Um, what do you? How old do you think someone should be, Danny? Anybody? I mean, it's it's really not much age as it is how the certain kid is. If the kid is very kind of like you know grabbing the gecko really hard, that's more of the problem. I mean, I've been to shows where I've had kids that are probably three to four. And, you know, they're so interested in the Cresty, and they're, they hold it lightly, and there's no problem. But I've also had kids or even six, seven who, you know, grab the gecko, and they're squeezing it, and they're just kind of being really rough with it. So I think it's a more a matter of how your kid's demeanor is and not so much the age. Uh, if, if you see that, you know, the kid's responsible and can hold the gecko without, you know, squeezing it or anything like that, you know, you should have no problem. A kid of any age, really, as long as he's like that, he's really rough, so I wouldn't recommend that just being that the Cresty gecko could drop its tail if he grabs it, especially at a young age. Okay, gotcha. All right, um, well, we're almost at the end here, guys, and uh, I just want to say, number one, that um, this was a great episode, a lot of great information about Crested Geckos. Yeah, we've been um, prepared for this. We've been very excited to get on the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm happy I'm happy to, to have been able to get you guys on here, and um, just we had a lot of people in the chat room for it uh, and a lot of great callers. So uh, I'm going to, just for the callers, everybody that called in tonight, I'm going to do the raffle tomorrow afternoon in the Gecko Nation group. So keep your eyes peeled on that, and uh, we'll announce the winner. Uh, but, guys, I want to give you this opportunity to uh, have any closing remarks and also to give out your uh, your information for everyone to find you. All right. Well, first, we definitely just want to thank Steve. We want to thank you, Dave, and we want to thank uh, Amanda for being a great co-host. Uh, Dave, we really appreciate yeah. you getting on getting us on this show. Uh, but oh, you're Buddy, very welcome. Want me to tell you guys, he's very appreciative too. Dave, thank you for bringing us on the show, and Steve, thank you for making us that promo video. We really appreciate it. Uh, we want you guys to check out our Facebook page, page, Dave. I don't know if maybe you would mind just maybe putting it on Gecko Nation or something. Just our, our how to get us on Twitter or Facebook, if that's possible. Um, but you are yeah, free, to, you are free to promote, Danny. Uh, oh, you guys sorry, are free yeah, to promote just, yourself in Gecko Nation. Nation. Uh, yeah, yep. no, I can just go on Gecko Nation if you guys want to check that. But uh, our Facebook page, Krusty Central, Twitter, Krusty Central. Uh, if you have any questions on supplies or anything, you can email Buddy. He does the supplies, Krusty Central at Yahoo.com. Um, I'm Krusty Central at Hotmail.com, and I'm for the geckos. So if you have any questions on geckos, you can come to me at Hotmail. If you have any questions on supplies, you can go to Buddy at Yahoo. Uh, we offer 24-7 customer support on all our products and geckos. Uh, we also have a coupon right now, as Dave told you, 10% off on our website. Enter GNR10, all capitals, for the rest of the week. We'll be offering 10% off any website on Krusty Central. Um, unfortunately, we don't have any geckos on the website right now. Breeding is still underway. But we will be attending Oaks on next Saturday, the 15th, I believe. And we will be selling um, some geckos and some crickets, and Buddy will have setups. So thank you again, Dave. Thanks again, Dave. And, uh... Yep. Um, that's it for us. Awesome. All right, guys. We'll have to have you back for a follow-up, uh, maybe in the future. How's that sound? Yeah, we can't wait. Cool. All right. <laughs> have a good luck at the, at the show next weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Dave. See you, Dave. All right. Good Bye, night, guys. guys. All right. What do you think, Mandy? How did we do tonight? I thought it was awesome. I loved it. Yeah, right? It almost makes me want to go get rid of all my leopard geckos and get into crested, right? Well, you know, if you need somewhere to put them, 
<laughs> uh, can, I'm sure I can talk the husband in, into letting some more gecko babies come with here. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, um, you know, i got to tell you, I mean, I I really like the reds. I like some of those Halloweens. I can see myself having a few here. I, I don't think I'm going to go crazy with them because I love my leopard geckos. But, uh, oh, you know, they, yeah. I think it'd be nice you. to have a few. Yeah. You know, but, uh, I'm actually, I didn't get to tell you my favorite morph. You you ready for oh, this? I love mm-hmm. I love the ones that are really either really dark. I'm talking like really really dark on their sides with just the high contrast light colored as light as you can get it on their back down I guess the pinstripe look. But that that's oh, yeah. probably got to be my favorite is just that I I'm not crazy about the tries. I'm not crazy about like these yellowy, browny, look at just that deep, dark, either chocolate or nearly black in that bright colored stripe. That's my favorite. Yep. And that's the one that Those I was nice. playing with at the expo. And I am just, I'm in love. Love at first sight. <laughs> they are nice. Yeah, I know the ones. I know exactly what you're talking about. They, they are so cool. What about, there's also ones that are really black on the sides and they have like an orangish. Uh, color on the top stripe. Mm-hmm. Have you seen those? I've have seen you, those. those nice. That and and the the bright red, the bright bright mm-hmm. bright ridiculous red with that beautiful contrast of like a yellowy cream uh, on their dorsal stripe. That's just oh, gorgeous. <laughs> I know they're they're totally incredible. Some of them, yeah. But you know, it seems though that even if you breed two of the like like times together, you won't always that result sometimes. Like, it's not like a line right. thing. It, it's, it's really weird how the genes work. So they're still trying to figure it all out. Um, you know, at least with leopard geckos, though, you do have a little bit more control over the genetics and the outcomes, I think. But still, I mean, uh, the crested geckos are really cool, and, and they feel so nice. I like the, the feeling of a, oh, the velvet yeah. of their skin, right? And the yeah. way they grab onto you, they kind of, uh, like, hug your, hug your finger and... Right? They kind of just They're floppy latch little, on. floppy, sticky toes. <laughs> yeah. Latched on right. to my face. I was looking. <laughs> so I'm sitting there in the chair behind the table playing with the one that I like, and all of a sudden I'm like, um, I think it's going to I think it's gonna jump on my bloop right on my face. I'm like, yeah, nice. <laughs> like I didn't even <laughs> flinch. I'm like, I, I knew he, was, he, just, he just had that look. But, no, nah, they're adorable, definitely. Yeah, well, we did a good job tonight. An excellent job co-hosting, Mandy. It's always a pleasure having you on the show with me. Thank you. Pleasure being here. Yeah, let's let's do it again soon. We'll get you on another one um, as long as you like doing it. Yep, anytime. All right, cool. You just let me know. All right, absolutely. I definitely will. Well, thanks again. I'm going to let you go, and um, I think we'll play a song at the end. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon, and uh, I'll see you at the next show. Yep, see you later, Dave. All right, good night, Mandy. Thanks again. All right, everybody. Uh, Excellent, excellent show. I'm going to go ahead and play the outro, and uh, I'll come back to my closing remarks, and then I'm going to play a cool song, a cool uh, tune for you guys. Gecko Nation Radio is a David Spine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. 
The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herb community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance and U.S. ARC. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to support both of these organizations. Please donate to U.S. ARC so that they have the funds needed to legally protect pet owners' rights nationwide. You can donate to the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund at www.usarc.org. If you would also like to learn about advocacy and how you can take action on a state and local level, please subscribe to the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance newsletter and blog at www.usherp.org. All right, everybody. Excellent show. I'm really pleased to have been able to uh, do something again about Crescent. Um, uh, my closing remarks are, are this. There are so many interesting species to work with uh, in herpetoculture and in geckos in uh, particular. It basically comes down to finding the one that really enthralls you. Uh, for me, it's all of them, and that's part of my problem. But uh, if you are undecided, I get a lot of questions from people, Dave, I don't know which morph or which species to work with. Basically, do your research and wait for that one that just you can't stop thinking about. It's the one that you can't stop looking, and you, it just gets you excited, and you want to learn more about it, then that's the one for you. Okay, that's how you figure out which one to work with. Folks, next week we have another special episode with uh, my good friends John and Chrissy from Low-Key Reptiles. I regularly vend with them at the New York show, and uh, we're going to talk about fat tails. We're going to talk about roaches, um, keeping roaches, and uh, a bunch of other stuff. So don't miss that episode. I want to thank everybody that was in the chat room. We had a great turnout tonight, and uh, I hope to see everybody again next week. Uh, I'm going to sign off for now, and I just want to thank everyone in the Gecko Nation group for being great. Uh, One last thing I mentioned in the beginning of the show, uh, that instead of paying for Facebook promotions, uh, I'm going to basically uh, give back uh, to the community. So if you like Gecko Nation Radio, help to share, comment, like uh, the page, the posts, and uh, help us reach more people. And uh, I'm going to regularly do surprise raffles and such for uh, people that help us out. So uh, you never know. If you help, you're gonna, you might be in the next raffle for something cool. So uh, all right, everybody, have a good night. Until next time, check this song out. It's for all you sci-fi fans out there.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.